The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters. Oh, yeah. Two microphones. And one meticulously scripted podcast. <laughs> you what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. All right, it's Wednesday. As promised, we're going to talk Southern Conference awards, accolades, whatever else they're called. We're going to talk about that on the women's side, the men's side, or the men's side and the women's side. We'll talk about it both. We'll also talk ETSU and Sanford on the women's side, the Thursday matchup. And uh, we'll get that going. I guess we could talk a little bit of the men. I don't know. I don't know what our Thursday, Friday looks like. I guess we'll have a quick turnaround Friday, won't we? Um, yeah. So, yeah, probably. Probably need to. Probably just need to knock all that out, and then uh, maybe maybe have to do one a little bit of a longer I show. I probably I do not anticipate being able to do a podcast on Friday. You are such a prima donna. I mean, just. Well, I mean, I'm going to be leaving for Asheville at like. Uh, I mean. I don't know. Get 10, up early, Keith. Nine. Probably nine. Why don't you get up early, Keith? Why, let's go over this. Let's go over this. You Keith. want to do a podcast at 7 a.m.? Is that what you want to do? I, I mean, I'm 7 a.m. pod? Listen, there's nobody that likes getting up earlier than me. I, I love getting up early. Yeah, you go. Get, well, hey, you know, that Bluebird, that uh, Blue Plate special is not going to eat itself now, right? Yeah, the, the Shoney's breakfast. You, you know, get, get up nice and early. Yep, yeah, nice yeah, and early. Yep, you get it going. Yeah, you okay. and your fellow senior citizens. I don't yeah. understand why you don't eat dinner at four thirty. I don't, I, d- I still don't get up. I never got up when I was uh, a, a kid. I never got up early. I hated getting up early. I and now you're a grown person. And now I'm that? a grown person. I still hate getting up early. Yeah, it looks like you just got up now. I know, right? Because I wore a hat today and I took it off because it's uncomfortable with the headphones on at you the same should, time. Well, I, uh, I just need a haircut. That's I just wish I had is. hair. Uh, that's really what I'm right. Like. Yeah. yeah. See, so. this is the benefit of of waking, of sleeping in, getting a full night's rest. He's still got plenty of hair. <laughs> that, that, that that's what it is. Good. Okay. That's the All secret. Right. All right. Uh, let's talk a little. Where are we going to start? Men, women, doesn't matter. I don't really care. Uh, you want to flip a coin? Sure. Call it. Heads coin. or tails? Tails. Tails. Your choice. <laughs> All right. Let's. Um, ugh. Were you were you more upset with the men or the women? Let me start there. You've seen them both. Mm, I don't know that I was really necessarily upset with either. There were a couple of ones that I got texted about. I would say um, I the one that upset me the most was Jimmy Garrity as the media coach of the year. Okay, all right. Let's go with women. We're gonna start with the women then. I want to get Keith uh, <laughs> get a hot take from Keith. Let's I don't just know if fire that take. up. Let's just go. All right. Um, I guess we should just rattle off who did what, right? If you haven't seen it, and this is Wednesday mm-hmm. afternoon, so you probably had time more to digest uh, the women's than the men. Now, if you listen to the podcast on Thursday as you're driving over to Asheville or something to kill the hour plus or right at an hour drive, then, then I get it. You had plenty of time to see what the men did. But for the women, and starting, I guess, with the coaches, because, again, the women are different. And I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Why the, the media will do three teams – the coaches do two, but then they do a defensive. Yes. T- I don't understand how this. We is. we've discussed this at length off I, air. I think been, there's some. We've been back in Southern Conference for how long, and I still don't understand. Almost it. a decade. So, okay, uh, Rachel Rose was a Player of the Year on the coaches' side. Yeah, it's, we can talk about that. I, I, it's fine. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm only going to say if I thought something is really agreed. Mm-hmm. I may give you. I agree. Eh, I don't care. And then if I disagree or I think yeah. it's egregious. Uh, I voted I for Bailey, who won the media player of the year. It's my understanding that several coaches had very polarized opinions about her defense. 
So uh, more people were probably going to go with Which Rose. Which is different in the women's game because there's zero thought process into the player of the year that factors in defense on the men's side. Mm. Isaiah Miller, but he also like was like second in the league. Well, I score. mean, the coaches voted for Rose, but the media voted for Bailey. Bailey was the, the player yeah. of the year for the press. All right, we'll, so. all right, we'll circle back to that. All right, freshman of the year was Raven Thompson on the coaches' side. Defensive player of the year was Summer Evans at Mercer. Coach of the year, you probably know by now, was Brenda Mock Brown. Yep. And then the uh, Anna Lashley Inspirational Award winner is Kylie Allison. Kyla Allison, well-deserved. Absolutely. Uh, and then we go first, second team here. First team, uh, Giselle Thomas, Amorino mm-hmm. Tyser, Andrea Bailey, mm-hmm. uh, Wazira Dean at Chattanooga, and Rachel Rose Wofford. Second team, Kendall Foley, TSU, Grace Van Rye from Furman, Raven Thompson, Chattanooga, uh, Kyle Allison, West Carolina, Jackie Carmen, uh, Wofford. Now – Again, those are two teams. We can get into third mm-hmm. team a little later. I look at that list, and there was nothing there that, again, made me say something egregiously was left off. Now, again, we could split hairs and go, well, maybe this person over that person. My thing is I hate when somebody just says, well, that person got snubbed, should have been on. Okay, well, who do you take off? You have to give me somebody you have to take. You can't just do – because nine times out of ten, it's like, oh, that person – like. Uh, what a, what a terrible job by the league and the coaches or the media. They didn't recognize so-and-so. Okay, well, who do you take off? Like, I need to know who would you put on, who would you take off, if, if that is a thing. Because I don't see anybody that wasn't at least deserving of an all-conference. I think, again, because there's only two teams on the coaches, they're a little hamstrung with a few more players that maybe could have made it. But on this, at least for the coaches, I don't have too much of a – argument for first or second team did you have somebody that you would put on or take off uh I would put on Akira Wiggins and take off Grace Van Rye and Wiggins made second team with the media so I don't really feel like I necessarily have to do that because Van Rye was also second team media I just I watched Van Rye twice and I just I did not have the kind of year that she's had the past couple I didn't think she was the best player on her own team I would agree with that I, I thought um, Sydney James, who you didn't get to see because she didn't play in the game uh, at, at Brooks Gym. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought she was best player on the floor for them. Athletic, got to the rim, could shoot it, uh, did a lot of different things. Um, I thought she was the best player for Furman, and when she didn't play, I was like, uh-oh, what kind of game are we going to get? And we ended up getting a really good game, really competitive game where Furman clawed their way back in, and Giselle hit the big shot with 24 seconds left. And uh, it, was, it was fun, but... Um, yeah, I, I thought there were, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised that Van Rye was the paladin that got the recognition. All defensive team, Kendall Foley, Summa Evans, Kalise came from UNCG, uh, Andrew Bailey, mm-hmm. Sanford, and then Helen Matthews from Wofford. Uh, Evans again from Mercer, if I didn't say that. So again, I'll, again, I don't have, uh, you know, looks fine to me. Uh, and to be honest, I, the coaches pay a lot more attention to the defensive side of the ball than I do. So I, I, I really hardly ever have anything to say about defense. That That is – that's very interesting. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. The all-freshman team was uh, pretty by the numbers. I would have swapped Hydger for Journey McDaniel – or Hydger for Journey McDaniel. Carly Hydger from Sanford would have swapped her for Journey McDaniel, and I think that's actually what happened in the media poll. So – Ta-da. Pretty straightforward there. You want to give the rest of the – because I didn't read the freshman. You want to give the rest of the freshman uh, team? Oh, the all-freshman team for there. the coaches, 
Jalen Acker, Furman, Angelina Gonzalez, Mercer, Raven Thompson, Chattanooga, Carly Heidegger, Sanford, and uh, Mason Marchbanks, also and, and of again, Sanford. You would take uh, Heidegger out and put McDaniel in. Okay, now we Heidegger to- is a German philosopher. Uh, Heidegger plays for Sanford. You, first of all, do you think I know a German philosopher? Um, you might know one. You obviously know a Heidegger. That's true. <laughs> um, media player of the year, Andrea Bailey, um, who again I would. I w- that would have got my vote, and I vote in the men's, you vote mm-hmm. in the women's. Did yep. you vote for Bailey? Yes, I did. Okay. Freshman of the year, Raven Thompson. Did you uh, vote for yes, Raven? Yes, I did. Coach of the year, Jimmy Garrity. You voted for him clearly. <laughs> I voted for Brendan Mock Brown and Sean Poppy. Yes, and I think both both of those would have got my vote if I had a I, I would have begrudgingly accepted Sean Poppy because he coached a team that had like 5.75 players in the rotation <laughs> and That's pretty won fair. a share of the conference title. I think to be able to, to have that kind of success with a team that doesn't have the depth that you ultimately want to have, right? I mean, he's, it's not like he's... You know, he's had an opportunity to cultivate that depth and didn't take it. He's his first year... Um, I thought they were, you know, begrudgingly they were very successful. They're the only team that swept ETSU. And then Mock has the biggest turnaround in Division One basketball in a single season since 2016. A thing that nobody expected from ETSU. I think people expected Wofford to be at or near the top. And after watching that team play talented but dispassionate, uninterested basketball for 80 minutes, I just didn't see it. Anyway. I just love the disdain for the terriers you have. Okay, first I'm not. I'm not. Believe me, Jay. This is like 45 percent of the way in. Okay, this is like I'm 45 percent of the way into this particular hot tub. Uh, first team. You all media. You want you want me to keep going? Yeah. Uh, Giselle Thomas, Amoria Neil Tyser, Andrea Bailey, Yaz was here, Dean, Rachel Rose. I think it's actually yeah, the, think same the same as the coaches. So no objections. Second team: Kendall Foley, Grace Van Rye, Akira Wiggins, UNCG. Who I talked about earlier. Raven Thompson and Jackie Carmen from Wofford. And I think Wiggins is the only one different. Wiggins and Kyla Allison. Allison switched. Yep. And then Allison was third team media along with Aaron Haupt, Khalees Kane, Susie and Gulafak from Sanford, and Lily Hatton, the senior post from Wofford. All freshmen, Journey McDaniel, Jalen Acker, Angelina Gonzalez, Raven Thompson, Mason Marchbanks. Now I don't really have a problem with any of those. All right, so you had no – no uh, the, the the media was similar to what your ballot was on almost every, it, everything. Uh, it exactly same, it was. It was, it was not identical, but it was fairly close. Ballot, yeah. And, and – I'll say I don't think I cast a vote for Grace Van Rye, but Van Rye ended up second team anyway. But um, I say in general, I look at that and I go, well, that's fair. You know, I have one set of opinions in a pool of many, so I'm fine with that. But coach of the year, I thought, was was a whiff. Uh, a couple notes. I guess Rachel Rose, the first Southern Conference player since Jenny Nett was the coach's pick, uh, making her the first Terrier in 21 years. To win that award. Yeah, I didn't even... That's the... The interesting thing is that Wofford, historically in women's basketball, has not been very good. Like, at all. And they won their most games in their Division One history last year at 17. Right, so I will say... If you and this are, year they won 18. If you are going to completely 
uh, hammer Jimmy Garrity. The one thing that he has done is at least made Wofford a winning basketball program as yeah. opposed to what they were. Because yes. they were they when when because uh, even when um, Brooke Will Hoyt now Brooke Shelley who coaches down the road in the in the Gatlinburg area whatever new high school they just built I keep forgetting the name of that but she was an assistant before coming back to coach Kemp's staff at mm-hmm. Wofford and I mean man I talked to her one time as soon as she got back uh, to to coach for coach Kemp and she was like I don't think you understand how bad it is there and I'm like well no I see the results she goes no 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 like th- there's Women's basketball is not a thing there. Like, it's not even remotely a thing. And mm-hmm. the type of players they try to get and just – it it was a new appreciation for really how bad it is. So, giving Garrity a little bit of a, a bone here is the fact that he's at least turned it into the fact where they can win. I mean, it was a while there where they would – you know, one or two wins was the max they got for a lot of years in women's basketball. So, they've at least – Jimmy's done that where they've, they've – gotten wins whether they play an uninspired basketball for you or not they they still i'm just based on my impression of what i saw from his team over 80 minutes which i didn't think was particularly good it was the one team that made me mad to watch them this year (laughs) garrity is the first coach to be named uh coach of the year for the terriers i know you're gonna be shocked by that after what we just said well literally we just kind of laid out the context for that yeah you know maybe the bar was low but still uh, jimmy was able to get that award andrew bailey back-to-back you know players of the year coaches and media Last year, just the media. This year, Raven Thompson, the fifth uh, freshman for Chattanooga to win the award. Shannon Titus didn't win the award again, only because she ran out of eligibility after three straight award winnings and <laughs> kept it in the family with some of Evans. Uh, so Mercer, four years in a row now, have had the defensive player. And then, of course, Brenda McBrown, the third Buccaneer coach to be named Coach mm. of the Year and the first since 94-95 when Karen Kemp was able to do so with her star player, Deshaun Blocker. So... Yeah, uh, I hear there that team go. was pretty good. They were very. There very is good. a uh, there is a declaration of pride in the women's basketball program from 1995 that is hanging in my office. That 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 season was honored by the city of Johnson City by the mayor's office. So uh, I, I I found that, and I was like, this is going on the wall, and it it's in my office, which has become like a little museum of ETSU history, kind of sorta. We're still working on it, but. Blocker, one of my first games I saw women's basketball on campus, um, well, I think was the year Oh, uh, Deshaun was a force was in nature. 95-96, and she had a 2020 game that yeah. was incredible. And after that, I was hooked. And so I pretty much watched uh, a lot yep. of that team. And then, of course, then it got some local flavor. Um, uh, Angie Fickus from, uh, I guess it was Sullivan East, came mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh gosh, Erica Babb from Happy Valley was there, and then they had a, a few others. My my personal favorite though in the mid '90s was the the McClellans, Justin and Justina. Mm-hmm. Uh, one played on the men's team, one played on the women's team. So we had the McClellan uh, yeah. brother sister. I thought they were twins forever, and they were not. They're just brother sister, but still had them. All right, out of digress into you know random ETSU uh, memory lane there for me. Yeah. All right, we yep. talked. All right, so we got through that. We got the women's side. Well, let's stick with the women. Then we'll hit a little bumper here and transition the men for those that just want to, mm-hmm. you know, maybe hear just the women or just the men or whatever. We don't have to bounce back and forth on the podcast. Let's, let's talk about the, the matchups breakdown, and then we'll finally get to ETSU Sanford. Wofford, Western Carolina. West Carolina's already beat them. I don't know what to expect from Western. I think that game's a total coin flip. I It doesn't there, – there's not one result you could tell me. You could tell me Wofford wins by 20, loses by 12, I would I would see all of that happening. There's not one thing 
I, I don't I don't know that there would be a result in the Western Wofford unless uh, both coaches somehow got ejected. That would be weird. But other than that, I don't <laughs> I don't know what would. I, I could. This is the one eight, and again, the Southern Conference tournament on the women's side. I feel like has had more eight over ones, and the reason I'm saying some of that is because ETSU has four eight over one wins. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, ETSU has been the eight seed four times, yeah. but they've got four times. Most recently, ETSU the eight seed knocked off Sanford a couple years ago. So we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be shocking if Western knocks off Wofford. We'll have to see which Wofford or which Western team shows up on that day. Yep. Interesting matchup for me. Is UNCG Mercer the four or five? Mm-hmm. Because I don't really know. UNCG came on strong uh, the last what three four games? And uh, the last uh, five games, I think it was they rattled off in a row. So well, I'll verify four or five. It was five, like, it, was, like, it, was, like, it was five or six. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously they they have figured something out, a winning formula, and they've been able to do it. And they've got nice pieces. I'll say that. Um, they have enough pieces to where you watch them and you go, yep, I could see this being a good team. In the same token, Mercer's just kind of been more up and down. So they so five in a row five for in UNCG. A row. Uh, yeah, including a win over Mercer. In, or I'm sorry, no, the, the last game they lost was to Mercer, actually. They lost by 19 at home. And then they started shooting a lot fewer threes after that. They beat Wofford by four in Spartanburg. They went to Greenville and beat Furman. They beat Western Carolina by 13 at home. They beat ETSU by 9 at home. And the Bucs scored a uh, SoCon season low 49 points. Just didn't shoot the ball. Super great. Uh, UNCG played okay defense. Uh, but also offensively, they've just found ways to get better looks. They're not putting the ball in Faith Price's hands early in possessions and letting her fire up 28-footers anymore. And now that they're taking the ball to the rim, a funny thing's happening where Price is starting to get some higher percentage looks on the line and she's knocking them down where for a long time this season, it kind of seemed like they would, you know, the ball would end up in her hands and then it wouldn't move unless it was going to the rim. Now they've, they've really done a lot to modify their offense to try to be more effective. And I think it's a real tip of the cap to Trina Patterson, who's a veteran head coach, been around not just UNCG, but the game for a really long time, um, to make that adjustment at this point of the year and get her players to buy into it. Because this UNCG team, they're playing with the scrappy attitude. They're playing with a little bit of swagger. Uh, I, I think it's a group that is... Like this is the team that nobody wants to play in the SoCon tournament. This is the team. This is that nobody wants to play team that comes into the first round, and um, you know maybe it's a little awkward at first, but second round, you if you're Wofford, I would think you're hoping for Mercer because you can you feel like you could probably defend Neil Tyser, and then Mercer has to scramble. Whereas with UNCG, you just don't know who you have to defend really. And they've got Kane in the middle, and Kane has played. They've they've been very diligent with her minutes over the last few games. I think she only played 14, 15 minutes uh, against ETSU, and I I don't know how much she played. I don't think it was a lot against Chattanooga either. Uh, she played twenty five against Chattanooga, so they're still not letting her run. I mean, this is the kind of game where unless Kane gets in foul trouble, she's probably gonna play 30, 33 minutes. And what does that look like? For UNCG, what does that look like for teams trying to match up against 
an excellent rebounder and shot blocker? I think that's a really difficult question to answer, and that's one that Mercer's going to have to answer uh, and because their best offense is getting to the rim with Gonzalez and Neil Tyser. Yeah, and I think they need to run. I think that's the one thing. If Mercer can get out in transition, they got a lot of athleticism. Yeah. They can get to the rim. The curious part is Mercer's been the stingiest team in league play, field goal percentage defense. And, you know, they kind of try to crowd the paint. UNCG now trying to get in the paint. That'll be kind of interesting. If UNCG can can kind of do what they've been doing on the win streak, which nothing tells me they're not going to try to do that, can Mercer kind of slow them down in the paint? Can Mercer get enough rebounds or steals or something to get out in transition to try to get some easy buckets? UNCG, I don't think, particularly runs well. The other thing is both teams aren't particularly great at threes. Now, I know Mercer leads the league in three-point um percentage but they take about a hundred less threes than everybody else this year they just don't take a lot of them so mm-hmm. i guess they're efficient when they do but that's not their game it's not their mercer's gonna go out there and hit 12 or 15 threes they, that's not really what they want right. to do but where mercer i think could have a huge advantage best free throw shooting team most of that's because of hop but best free throw shooting team in the league by far and they're over 140 points better than uncg overall mm-hmm. to line to me that could be a situation late that could be the separator in this game on a neutral site that Mercer could get to the line and get some of those points where maybe UNCG goes one for two at the line and Mercer, you're basically booking two of them. I think that's that's how I see the two or three kind yeah. of bullet points. But, but to me, that's a great – I think it's going to be a great game. I think that could be yeah. one of the be- – and as a 4-5 matchup, you that's what you would, I think, expect. Mm-hmm. That would be one of the tighter games. Moving forward from there, Chattanooga Furman again. I I'm I am not going coin flip on this. Chattanooga is going to be fine. Okay, they're going to be fine. So okay, so taking ETSU out of it, if you had to rank easiest one, you're going to advance. You're going to advance Chat. Taking ETSU Sam. Yes. Out of it. Okay. Yes. Of the other three games, Chattanooga is the one I am most confident in advancing. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I think if Furman is going to win that game they're gonna have to play lights out and they're gonna chattanooga is gonna have to have two starters in foul trouble yeah and if that happens then okay yeah Furman's hitting a couple shots acker gets some decent looks because they got to put some players that aren't normally in those spots in a big spot kind of in the deep end okay yeah you're in business you can make it happen but i mean generally no I mean, both teams struggle to get to 60, but I, there's more pieces for Chattanooga and Furman right mm-hmm. now. And, again, I don't think it's all um, Jackie Carson's fault. I think they obviously had a key injury early in the season. Before the season. Before the season, correct. Uh, Tate Walters didn't play at all. Um, just a couple things, you know, plus they lost the player of the year and Tierra Hodges, and, you know, uh, she was a double-double machine. I know uh, last year, what was it, something like – 40 um, well not 40 um, I know she ended her mm. career breaking Jackie's record for most double doubles in Furman's history so anyways that being said there were a couple yeah. things there I think Jackie will be fine Furman will turn a corner but I don't, I don't I Furman agree. will be back next year yeah, for be, sure they'll be I, fine J- Jackie's too good of a coach for them not to be to- totally agree so that leaves us with the last game of the day which is our game which we'll spend a little bit more time talking about but ETSU and Sanford Andrea Bailey's the biggest I mean she's out there she's trying She's clearly not 100%, and the Sanford Bulldogs have struggled. They've mm-hmm. lost five. They're the opposite of UNCG. They've lost five in a row and like six of seven. And, 
ETSU got hot, got kind of going, but then, you know, the last two games, probably performances, if you put a little true serum in Coach Mox, he's not happy with and clearly knows they need to clean some stuff up going into the game. Yeah, that being said, Sanford's hurting. Their last three games have, yeah, have not been to the, the head coach's satisfaction. Um, yeah, I, Bailey was very limited against ETSU. She came back, she scored 22, uh, about a week, week and change later against Mercer, and then... She had 21 against Wofford, and then against Furman, they kind of dialed her back a little bit, uh, and she did not shoot the ball exceedingly well. I just don't know that there's a player that I would... I, I wouldn't write off a player like Bailey in the tournament. It's her last tournament. Yes, her knee is bothering her. She is going to give this everything she has... And I don't think Sanford's going to advance past Chattanooga if they were to advance. Um, but I absolutely think ETSU is going to have a fight on its hands because Sanford is going to throw the kitchen sink at this thing for for Bailey. And Bailey is going to throw the kitchen sink at ETSU. And probably add to that the way the Bucks beat Sanford. Then again, you flip it around and... Samford defensively would probably be a pretty bad matchup for ETSU because the Bucks have shown they can be a very effective three-point shooting team. They can move the ball well on the perimeter. And Samford wants to play a 3-2 zone. Uh, get a little dicey. That can get a little dicey. So I would not be surprised to see something similar to what happened in Homewood. ETSU comes out, they hit the early three, Sanford adjusts, but the Bucks already have the advantage, and they pull away, and that's that. Um, I also would not be surprised to see something similar to what happened at Freedom Hall, where ETSU builds a lead, something swings the momentum, whether it's an injury, controversial foul call, something, and then Sanford hits two quick threes, bang, bang, and they're right back in it, and they surge ahead, and both teams, I think, are capable of winning this game Certainly, you would look at it and say Samford is a perhaps a slight underdog on a neutral floor, just given the context of what kind of effort you're anticipating from their best player. Yeah, and then you know the semis would be in what 11 a.m. and 1:15 on Friday. And honestly, I don't know. I mean, I guess you know Wofford has a better shot than Western. Again, I'm. I think Western could absolutely win the game. UNCG Mercer's a coin flip. I think the bottom half is going to be a little more chalk. The two and three will advance. Chad ETSU. And that's going to be fun because as many, as many coaches like to say, you know, Jay, it's so hard to sweep a team three – three. Yeah, what is it? It's, uh, it's so hard to beat a team three times in one year. It's, it's just so difficult. So what they say, uh, ETSU had the uh, chance at home and then the, uh, what, the intentional foul later, that. right? Mr. Lab and had the intentional foul. Was it? Is that what it was? I think it was um, intentional foul that kind of sealed it after the – or was the mislayup after the intentional foul? I can't remember. It was the Neve Brown kind of grabbed around the waist and went and took forever to review. That was after the missed layup. That was after the missed layup. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, you had that one, and then Chattanooga was lights out from three early. Uh, yeah, and I think that was just a – okay. you, know, you know, flush that film. Yeah, down the toilet and just don't watch. Don't even maybe not even watch it. Well, that's not true. The coaches will watch it. But. And then the championship game would be noon on, on Sunday. Sat Sunday, thank you. Almost said Saturday. Noon mm -hmm. on Sunday. They'll have um, the day off Saturday. 
uh, to get the four quarterfinal games in and let uh, teams have a little day of rest, which I'm sure the men would love to have a day of rest in between. But for the women, they'll get a day of rest. You get your day of rest on the front end. That's true. That's true. Because you don't have to play on Friday. That's right. But uh, still got to play three in a row. Still got to play three in a row. That's why the women need more. More, more teams, but we we've talked about that. We'll, uh, well, we'll talk about it again because I still think even if they added two more teams, the tournament should stay at eight. Oh yeah, that's right. You you hate everybody participating. You don't like the participation trophy. I want the regular season to mean something, Jay. Anyway, and and I would say two I would say want, the, want it to the, mean something too, so that they get a somehow an advantage. Mm-hmm. That's what. Of course, uh, when you're a one and two, they complain whatever advantage is. It's not enough. Uh, oh, of course. I remember talking to Steve Forbes when he was a three. He was like, yeah, "Until I, you're Gonzaga." I, I think the advantage for the one and two is about right. Then all of a sudden, ETSU's one the next year. You know, there's really no advantage being one. I mean, so it's disadvantage. They get to play a game early. I'm like, "What are you talking?" So you know, coaches, coaches, right? You can't win with coaches. So that's why we'll do it for you. Okay, let's uh, transition here. All right. Because coaches are kind of like NASCAR fans in that respect, right? Very passionate about what they do, when love they being part of it, but will never be satisfied no matter what. Well, I think Fox they can always find an angle. I say, and I've said this for years. I think Fox News stole the moniker from coaches that because they believe everything should be fair and balanced towards them, towards the coaches themselves. Like I, I think Fox <laughs> stole that from the coaching profession because that's all I've learned from coaches is that they are a hundred percent. When the rules kind of work for them, they're brilliant rules. When they don't, they just don't understand it. I don't get it. No. Uh, and then the next year, it kind of works for them. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I just think of, yeah. you know, NASCAR. They just ran their last race ever at uh, Auto Club, and uh, it was awesome. And for years, diehard NASCAR fans said, Auto Club is a symbol of how they ruined NASCAR. And now two great races at the end, and they were selling off a bunch of land, and they're going to turn it into a short track. And now people are saying, wow. I can't believe they're going to ruin Auto Club. R- really? They're going to ruin Fontana. Come on. Come on. You hated this place for, what, 15, 20 years? And now you're sad to see it go. Uh, is that in California? It is. Fontana, California. Yep. That's their SoCal race. And uh, I'm just shocked I knew that. It might not come back. Could be dicey. You're... Are you heartbroken about that, or would you rather them run more in North Wilkesboro? I I like I liked Fontana. I thought it was a fun race. It was a good race. Um, I would not be mad if they ran like they could run five races a year at North Wilkesboro, and I'd be fine with it. They so are the people there. Yeah, uh, I drove by there as they were working on it, uh, coming back from UNCG. We went that yep. route, so you can see the track and all. I, I will say, on. two races at Bristol is a healthy number. That's a healthy number. Let's keep that right where it is. Two races at Bristol. Uh, I knew they talked about it for a while. I think they'll still. Stay there now. The spring's gone to the night race too, right? The spring is also at night because it's on dirt. Oh, that's right. Yeah, see, they've they've at least done something to freshen it up. I think that's the key. Yeah, I just I I, I don't love the dirt, but it's different. At least it's different. I guess you can say that for it. They have to take the windshields out of the car. You can't leave the windshield in because otherwise the windshield just gets caked up with mud, and then you can't see it all. Hmm. It's fascinating. <laughs> Speaking of clear as mud, uh-huh, uh-huh. SoCon All-Conference. What do we got? We're going to start with the coaches. All right. Coaches results. Uh, the coach of the year is Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. UNCG. I used that on the TV broadcast. I know you got to be pleased. I wanted him to put it in the graphic that I gave them, the sidebar graphic for Mike Jones. Like, who? Mike Jones. 
I, I did that last year, and a couple people just stared at me. And there were people uh, that I think would have known what that reference was. And so I was a little disappointed, so I've, I've retired it because I, apparently they don't. I don't know. Oh, I love that. That's great. I do no. love the reference. I love, I love the song. I love the reference. I yeah, Mike it. Jones did a really good job at UNCG. He's the uh, coaches Coach of the Year, selected by his peers. Player of the Year, Jalen Slauson at Furman. I'm going to give you, like, I'm just going to hold for applause or reaction or scoff. No, we well, don't scoff at anything. No, I think. You like everybody as long as they don't wear the C on their chest. Man, I don't like purple either. No, that's true. But, but no, nah, I, mean, I don't have, I mean, again, I think Jalen does a lot, means a lot to his mm-hmm. team. I'm fine with that. Freshman of the year, Jackson Pavaletsky. That kind was of the easiest slam dunk of any award they had. Defensive player of the year, Kobe Langley. And a coach's vote on that, but if I had a vote on that, I would have voted for him too, so I agree with that. Uh, first team, Mike Bothwell, Jalen Slauson, Keyshawn Langley, Logan Dye, B.J. Mack. Dye, of course, of Sanford, Mack of Wofford. Uh, second team, Stephen Clark from El Cid. Quez Glover from Sanford made second team coaches as well. Jake Stevens from Chattanooga, who missed more than half the season. Still got second team. Trey Jackson from Western Carolina. Vontarius Woolbright. Western Carolina, and then third team, Jalen Haynes and Jordan King of ETSU. Then Jalen McCreary of Mercer, Keandre Kennedy from UNCG, and Jermaine Marshall from Samford. When we get into the media, I'll give you my discrepancies on that because some of the media followed more of what I voted than the coaches. Are the coaches wrong? I don't know that anybody's wrong, but I, I just I didn't have Kennedy on it. Um, I didn't have okay. Kennedy. I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, I think Kennedy would be the biggest one. And I had Marshall ranked a lot higher. I did, too. I, did I didn't get media, a ballot, so. but I would have, too. Right. So, the, in the media, I would have. Uh, if you go to the media, I can give you probably more. We can tie it all in better. Yeah. Men's basketball, I would. Uh, I would. I would. I would. I don't get a ballot for men's hoops. Uh, all freshman team was Ben Vanderwall from Furman. Um, Jock Inonis from uh, Mercer. Sam Alexis, Chattanooga, Asher Woods, VMI, and Jackson Pavletsky from Washington. So media, the SoCon Sports Media Association men's basketball all-conference team. The Malcolm U. Pitt Player of the Year was Jalen Slauson. Freshman of the Year was Jackson Pavletsky. The Anton Foy Coach of the Year was Sanford's Bucky McMillan. So I had Jones one, Bucky two on, on the media. So again, they both got... So I felt like, you know, I was right there with everybody else. Obviously, the media had more three-point – because basically how it works, you three points – is it three and one? I think it's three and one. Three and one, right. So you get three points for your first place and one for your second place. And so I had Mike Jones with three points, Bucky with one. No love but, for but uh, Bob Ritchie and Furman, who had to reel Sanford back in and then fired his team up to smash him on the last day of the year at their place? First of all, I think Mike Jones did a tremendous job, which is why I, I think they all mind. did. No, I don't. If I would have voted for a third coach, Bob Ritchie would have been my third coach. I would have mm-hmm. gone Jones, um, Bucky, and then Bob. That's if I if they gave me a third guy to vote for. If we mm-hmm. went three, two, one, that's how I would have stacked it. Okay, first team, Mike Bothwell. Oh, and let me say this. Yeah. Um, Justin Gray probably deserves a lot of credit. Too. He did not get a lot of love did from not. the the postseason awards, but if you if you he wanted, did a terrific job. Yes, absolutely. To get everyone had them at like eighth preseason. Yeah, basically you're only better than the academies, 
and that's where they had them, and they had a lot more wins, and, and they it, played it, it, a it lot forth, compared yeah. to how they played last year. Mm-hmm. His growth as a coach, or maybe just getting more players to do whatever he wants. Well, I don't know what the you know. I mean, I watch Western, but I'm not that in tune with what they're doing. Yep. I mean, I think. I mean, I think those those top four seeds, those four coaches, I thought did tremendous jobs. And if Gray would have made this list, even though I didn't vote for him first or second, I would have had zero argument if he would have been uh, considered or would have won Coach of the Year. No, no argument. So I think we should. I think we should give a little love on at least our podcast. Yeah, no, he did. A, he did a great job this year. Okay. he did a really good Sorry. job this year. I sidebarred. You. Uh, first team: Mike Bothwell and Jalen Slauson of Furman, Keyshawn Langley, UNCG. Jake Stevens, Chattanooga, B.J. McWafford. Uh, second team, Stephen Clark, Citadel. I'm sorry, The Citadel. Logan Dye, Sanford. Jermaine Marshall, Sanford. That's better. Trey Jackson, Western Carolina. And Vontarius Woolbright of Western Carolina. I don't know, man. I, Woolbright, to me, So you're going to laugh is, when I tell you what I did. You, did you have Woolbright first team? I did not, but, but I will tell you, I had Marshall first team and Mac second team. I could see that. I mean, I I could I, see that. I was a huge, and I watched not just what he did against ETSU. I watched several games where he was a difference maker, either hitting shots, getting rebounds, defense. He's got a little bit of that. Um, who's a good player? A little bit of that Marvin Smith get under your skin of the of the other team's best player. Okay, yeah, you know, kind of, yeah. Kind of he did have a little. He does have a little bit of that. Get a too, little, yeah. you know, a little. A little either smack or a little rub or a little shoulder, a little something to get the guy out of whack that, you know, I could see where some people don't really like that. I mean, he obviously wasn't like Rodman out of control crazy with it. But I, that, I did. I, I absolutely had Jermaine Marshall on the first team and had B.J. Mack on the second. That was really, I think, on the first and second teams, that was the only difference. i got to lobby one here. Does it matter, and obviously it didn't here, but does it matter if someone plays less than half of the conference games? Not not for me, but it would if that team continued to dominate without the person. Okay. I mean, I think Andrew Bailey got a lot of love because clearly she was the heart and soul of Sanford when they were rolling, and when she got hurt, they've been abysmal, and it's easy to see how they dropped. And there's a good sample size for me. Jake Stevens yep. had a sample size of last year. Quez Glover had a sample size of last year. Mm-hmm. And I think seeing those guys back on the floor. Now, Quez played more games. And actually, Quez lost the first two games he came back because they weren't quite sure how to play. And then they turned a corner. But if Jake Stevens wouldn't have been almost a double-double 20-10 and 10 guy for the last two and a half, three years, I mean, But it's not me, based on what you did the last two and a half, three years. It's based on what you did this year. Agree. And this year, his team went south when he went out. That's okay. my argument. Just like Andrew okay. Bailey was hurt playing and her team went south. But if they were both healthy, their teams would have been better. Hmm. Okay. That's that's my argument. Okay. Um, um, again, right, wrong, and different. Yeah. I, I think every case, it is a little bit case by case. Um, you know, I'm, I'm try, I can't think off the top of my head of a person that got injured early where I would have thought the opposite. Because generally, it's, it doesn't work that way. Generally, is a player that has been really, really good, mm-hmm. and then they go down. This is where these arguments come. It's not a guy that came out of nowhere, played the first five, six games, good and then they went out yeah you know to me if chattanooga would have continued to be a second or third seed i would have voted jake stevens down third team probably gave him a bone at third team andrea bailey would have sanford would have still been the number one seed the last five six games after watching her struggle up and down the floor i would not have voted her player of the year 
I would have voted probably Rachel Rose Player of the Year, and I would have put her on. I guess media you get three in that one, right? I probably would put her second team though than third because she played more games and at least yeah. got it. I would put her second team, and I would have not made her Player of the Year. So that sort of, in my view of this, and maybe I don't always take the same because it's all a little bit of how you perceive most outstanding, most valuable. Do they mean the most? Are they the best player in the league? Are they the most of their team? And I've always said, you know, what do they mean to their team and how their team play with them or without them? That's, to me, Mm. the value of of player of the year. And, yes, a lot of times they're going to be on winning teams, right? Like, I've never really understood, even if a guy, um, you know, and I know Jake Stevens was a double-double machine, you know, VMI, but it would be tough for me to vote Jake Stevens over like a Malachi Smith last year for Chattanooga. Yeah. I mean, it's just tough. If he was on a top three team, I can vote for a guy like that. You know, if you are the best player on the floor, best player in the league, but your team just can't – I don't – I mean, yes, um, your team finished seventh with you. Great. If they were out there, they would finish like eighth or ninth. That's, that's, t- that's a tough sell for me. So, I do think a little bit of how you, how you mean and what you mean to your team and how your team plays mm-hmm. with and without you and then how the team finishes. That's how I look at it as my personal – uh, how I vote for stuff. So I don't know if that puts a window or answers any questions. And and what what are your thoughts? Is that how do you view it? Let me ask that because I know how. Again, we've had these long conversations because Gallagher, when he was here, was a firm believer of the snubs, and he would get really fired up over that. I don't get as fired up about it. Um, it it doesn't bother me for like a big list like this because you have three teams. You're getting. I mean, on the women's side, it's like 12.5% of all the scholarship players, 12-13% of all the scholarship players in the conference are on an all-conference team. Wow. That's pre- that's plenty. That's a lot. That's plenty. Yeah. It's um, so then, yeah, I, I mean. So for, play, for player of the year, though, what, for what, is, player what, what, of the year, what is a player of the year? I want a player who is outstanding for, as, uh, for most or all of the 18 games. Do you have to be on a winning team? Not necessarily. But they typically are. And that's kind of my point. I'm not saying there's not... Because great players tend to make teams great. I, yeah. I mean, if, if a team finished fifth and a guy's averaging a triple-double and he's got, you know, or or a lady's got 25, 15, and 12 every game. Like, it's going to be hard to look at somebody and go, my gosh, you're not the best player in the league. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I get that. But in most scenarios, the best player in the league and the winner of the award is going to be on a winning team because they are winning. Mm-hmm. And there are, excuse me, things they do to win. But the conversation of injuries and how do you do it, I think that's always going to be a debatable thing because there are plenty of people. I not, again, I see where people are coming from. Jake Stevens shouldn't even be either a considered, or there's no way he should be first or second team. You throw him a bone on the third team and move on. I I get that. And situation with Andrea Bailey, you know, does she get credit because she tried to gut it out more? But those injuries aren't the same. Like, the, the, those are just different. Like, it's hard to compare two injuries because right. it's not like Jake Stevens doesn't want to play. I mean, I'll, I'll listen to his podcast occasionally, and, I mean, he's dying to get back. I mean, he's doing just like Josh Taylor. I mean, they're trying to get back. So, it's not a, you know, he's not gutting it out and sitting it out because, you know, he's preparing for the draft or something crazy. Right. I mean, he's trying. So, anyways, that being said, I could see where people go with Jake Stevens. I mm-hmm. could see where people want to go, you know, different. I think Slauson was a player of the year. Um, I thought he was the most outstanding player for most of the season. For right. enough of the season that you can look at it and go, he is. he influenced his team's success 
And I see. I, t I take it the opposite tack. If you leave and your team loses, I don't really care. But if you are the reason that your team is winning consistently, I have more interest in that than the guy who didn't play 10 games uh, in conference and his team fell off a little bit. And I also think Chattanooga is going to be... Actually, I don't know. VMI is weird. That's going to be a weird matchup. Uh, third team uh, media, also con Jordan King, Jalen McCreary, Mercer, Quez Glover, Sanford, Tyjon Claude, Western Carolina, and Jackson Pavletsky. Okay, so I uh, did have Jalen Haynes on mine. And uh, mm -hmm. I did mm -hmm. not have Claude for Western. I don't know that I would have either. I don't have a problem with Claude being on. Again, it's one of those, like, I'm not fired up that Claude's on it. I just had um, – and I actually had Haynes ranked higher than King. So, there you go. Uh, All-freshman team, Madison Durr at the Citadel. Canones uh, and Mercer, Woods at VMI. Tyler Hauser also VMI. And Pavletsky, who was freshman of the year. Okay, so and, – and this could be probably a uh, – so I did have the two VMI guys on there. I had Hauser – Woods, obviously Pavletsky, Kionis, and then um, uh, I had a uh, yes, I had Alex. No, 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 I had Vanderwall. I had Vanderwall. I didn't have Durr. I didn't have Durr. Okay. I either had Vanderwall or Alexis. I had whoever one of the others. I don't remember. If I should have brought my ballot in here. I will say that Citadel team does have some intriguing young players on it. I, mean, I think I think they could be pretty good in a couple of years, year and a half. And again, I. I I'm not fired up that Durr's on it. It's not one of those. Right. I didn't, I don't right. think there was either one of the. The teams this year, I think the more intriguing conversation, and I would have agreed with it if maybe if Justin Gray would have won Coach of the Year. I mean, I think that would have got a lot of people maybe talking more about, oh, what about this? But I would I would have been fine with it. I wouldn't have had an issue with that. If, if uh, Jake Stevens won Player of the Year, again, we would have more to talk about, and we could certainly have a, a, a mm -hmm. debate on that. And that would – but everybody that was really on the list – I. I try not to split hairs, but oh my gosh, this is an egregious. This guy is clearly first team. This guy's second team, and they got it wrong. Like I don't, I don't care. I think there is a thin enough barrier separating first from like eighth and ninth that it's just kind of like they got to go somewhere. <laughs> the guy, <laughs> they're, I mean, they're 15, all, I mean, all the guys that need to be there are there. They got to go somewhere. I mean, I, I got to be honest. If you, I mean, if you rolled out a ball and said, "Okay, Bothwell, Slauson, Langley, Dye, and Mac," now as Maybe there's too many big guys there, but you know, if you what would you have? Mac play the four, Slauson the three, Die the five, Bothwell two, and Langley the one. I, mean, I think you could you could roll with that team. Mm -hmm. And I also think that Jackson, Woolbright, Stevens, a healthy Stevens, Glover, and Clark would give them all they wanted. I agree. Different steps. All right, so that's what I got. There. I think right. those are some good teams. Let's talk about uh, the matchups. Uh, sure. Start on Friday. It's going to be Mercer Citadel. If there's no Ash, I don't think it's a contest. No, nope, I like agree. It wasn't a couple. I days agree. Ago, right? This is going to okay. be a massive blowout. All right. I don't want to spend much time on that. I know Chattanooga won by like a thousand the last game. I don't know the win by a thousand. I think they win by fifteen or twenty, and I think they advance. I think so too. But this just has the makings of the way VMI has played the last three, four games, and they just, have played inspired ball. It just makes it it feels like something this is where the vortex of the sickos committee descends upon Asheville on Friday night this is the game where something bonkers could happen I can I I, no no now the more I'm thinking about it 
because here's the deal for Chattanooga you just beat them like a drum right so that's in your head that's FEMA I know they beat Wofford but and Wofford just beat Chat right so you could do a little bit of mm-hmm. uh, transit of property and VMI is a little better in chat since they've beaten Wofford and Wofford beat chat before Chattanooga smashed VMI. I don't think it really works that way. But I could see where chat kind of him hauls a little bit early. VMI knocks down some of those threes, and all of a sudden I could see that. I could see it being a tight game. I'm interested because, again, that 7-10 winner has given the two-seed fits. It just has for whatever reason. And Chattanooga probably would have a pretty good matchup if Chattanooga's going to advance to play Sanford. And Mercer gave Furman fits at their place a, a weekend ago or two weekends ago or whatever it was. A three-point win for Furman, but Mercer made that into a physical, um, basically a, a physical fist fight, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, as opposed to a basketball game. Well, here's the other Nothing thing. Nothing illegal is like if, if Mercer wins that game going away against the Citadel, you've got an opportunity with, like, Seven eight minutes left. Do you pull your starters? Like, do you do you empty the bench at that point and start saying, "Okay, we're up twenty eight. You ain't beating us. We're gonna put our guys out there and get and give our starters some rest so that they can go get at Furman." And you sort of strike the balance of the old rust versus rest debate. It's like, well, we gave them a little bit of time, a little bit of basketball as a treat, and then you send them out there against the number one seed. Well, and I want to say that Greg Gary had a uh, – when Mercer was a seven seed a couple of years ago, like got him Ooh. got him to the title game. Mm-hmm. Um, and Man, they were able to, to pull off uh, – and I'll look it up between now and then. But they were able to um, uh, knock off the seven seed. So they've had a little bit of that magic with Greg Gary before. So Mercer – playing Furman at noon. I mean, that's a very intriguing game that I think if Mercer was able to, as we just talked about, kind of win going away, right, and was able to um, rest guys, do whatever, I think it would be – boy, and that noon game's odd too. It's very early. Mercer would already got, you know, kind of juice flowing. Furman hadn't played in a week. They're emotional off the Southern Conference Championship. You know, I think if Furman got off to a quick start, I think certainly that would uh, bode well for Furman. But mm-hmm. if Mercer was able to jump out to a pretty quick lead and get kind of get things going, I think that could be a, a, a little tough, a little tough. But I think that – I think, uh, I mean, obviously Furman's going to be a heavy favorite, but I could certainly see um, – that kind of change in how it goes. Uh, and so, all right. Um, so we talked about that. The 17, I mean, for Sanford, because yeah. that would be the two seed. Let's go there. And they're going to play either Chattanooga or VMI. And, again, that, that game has been where people have been beaten and beaten a lot for whatever reason. So <sighs> I think this is the year – the script gets flipped. The two seed is fine, and the one seed has a game that has them pulling their hair out. I think Samford is going to be chomping at the bit. They just got socked in the nose at home. They're the they are the most complete team in the SoCon. Is that an outrageous statement? 
most complete team with a healthy Glover now, and he's been See, reintegrated got, into the mix they got successfully. Guys that, can, uh, guys that can get to the rim. They got post play. They got mid-range jumpers. They got three-point shooters. Defensively, Marshall's pretty good. Bubba Parham's pretty good. Yep. They rebound it pretty well. I mean, probably on paper because they they them and Furman score the best. But Sanford plays better defense than Furman. Yeah, I could go with that because UNCG plays best defense, but they don't particularly score. I know they have games they score, but they don't particularly score well. So, mm-hmm. yes, I would say probably if you're doing the on paper, the most complete team, probably Sanford. Yes, I'll go with that. I don't think that was not even a hot take whatsoever. By the way, it was Good. the 2021 Mercer. Um, the uh, it was. Yeah, you're so, right. Okay, all right, go back. All right. Um, I think Sanford is going to be fine. I only they're going to roll. I think they win by like eight to 12. Uh, and then Furman is going to be in a tight game against Mercer. And then the winner of that game is going to face the winner of ETSU Western Carolina, which again, it's really hard. It's so hard to beat one team three times in one season. It's hard not to look at the Bucks and say, hey, they got a real shot at this. Even though Western Carolina won both games and the game here was kind of lopsided because Western went on that big run at the end of the first half and uh, then everybody was just kind of flat and kind of all downhill from there. But ETSU had a chance to beat Western in Cullowee at the buzzer and Jamarius Harrison missed it. So I think the Bucks have a real chance here to win this one and uh, make this a very, very interesting top half of the Asheville the Asheville Regional, if you like to call it. Asheville Sub-Regional. We should do we should do like high school. Call it the uh, the Sub-Sectional. The Asheville Sub-Sectional. That's what the SoCon Tournament is. I think... Let me go. All right. There are going to be a lot of those matchups where yep. Furman beat Mercer twice. Western yep. beat ETSU twice. I don't remember if Sanford beat Chat twice. I think they did, right? Because Sanford only had three losses. They were to Wofford and Furman twice. Yes. So Sanford swept UN or swept Chattanooga. If Chattanooga, and I know they swept VMI. If that's the case, UNCG Wofford. I'm trying to figure out. Are they, would there be a four? So I'm trying to figure out right now. Would there be a four different games where everyone was swept? So they played Wofford, right? Okay, so they beat, yeah they play Wofford. They beat Wofford and they and they where's that? And they beat Wofford. Yes. So you you could have you probably will have four, four first round games where Everyone, one team swept. Yeah, the higher yeah, seed swept. Yeah, and that's curious because that's even taken the three, six, and four, five games. I get like the one versus you know eight, nine, and two versus seven, ten, but that's a little unusual. So we'll see if the win three times is easier or not. Would you be willing to say that uh, two of them would pull upsets? Two of the higher seeds would, yeah, which, would which, pull? And again, that could be easily Wofford as a six and ETSU as a five, so it would be two. But would you – or you could pull – would you think that uh, hard to beat a team three times? There could there definitely would be four matchups of it. Do you uh, – what do you feel? What do you feel? Uh, I think it's hard to beat a team three times unless you're the most complete team in your conference. <laughs> so I say fun. I'd say three of the games have a really good shot. Okay, now a really good shot. Going back to ETSU and Western, how do you handicap that with Josh Taylor being back and what he can do defensively, matchup wise, on either Woolbright or Jackson? 
So well, he did not play against either one of them. This team is super locked in right now. Uh, it seems like just in terms of uh, they've, they've shown their resilience. They're playing extremely hard. There's not a lot of them, but Taylor helps them out a lot. And I would say ETSU has a very good chance of winning the ballgame because of Taylor's additional length on defense, his ability to um, supplement what ETSU does in protecting the rim with Jaden Seymour and what he can do blocking shots. Taylor, if he still has the big, you know, fluffy cast on, then it's not going to be a big scoring exhibition for him or anything. But he also has had some opportunity to get in the gym a little bit more and get a little bit more work in with some layups and some free throws, maybe a jumper here or there. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really, really interesting. And and Taylor adds a very, uh, I would say, overlooked element to the mix because he's not somebody that is going to light up a score sheet. He's not going off for 20, 25 like Jordan King or Jalen Haynes or even Jaden Seymour who set a career high now in three consecutive games, Jaden Seymour. Taylor doesn't pop out on the score sheet the same way, but when you watch him play, the impact he can have on defense is very noticeable. I think the biggest thing – now, he's we said this Monday, 4-0 in league play when he plays. Yep. The biggest reason, I think, for that is because of his energy and how hard he plays defensively. Yeah. When you see a guy yeah. come from half court to walk one of the Langleys down, <laughs> to throw a ball at the top of the backboard – with he, an he came from block. He came shot. from so far behind the play. I think I just called it as a missed layup. I didn't even see Taylor. Just a blur. I mean, and you see that. I think it's hard not to try to. Well, he's doing that, right? Like I think you can internally as a team, you can feed off each other, right? That's a thing. Everyone knows that. Like you can create your own energy, and ETSU's been able to do that on the road. You have to be able to. But when Josh Taylor is doing things defensively. And then, offensively, he got out of the way because he still got the little wrist problem, but was able to wait till a shot goes up and then go hunt rebounds or smartly tap them back out to other teammates where he doesn't get credit sometimes for a board, but kept the ball alive. To me, that is infectious, and people will continue to like, oh, my gosh, I've got to match that. i got to do that. i got to, you know, get on his level, if you will. So I think that's the biggest difference for me is – the difference in how the team looks defensively when he's out there because of what and how hard he plays. And if Justice Smith guards like he did that game, and I thought Coach Oliver, if you didn't hear the, the coach's show, had a great story about that. Somebody asked about Smith, looked like he was locked in about, you know, the best he'd ever been defensively. Mm-hmm. And after the game, Coach asked him about, like, what was the difference? And Justice said, it was because you called me the, the worst defender in the league. And he was like – and Oliver said, I'm sitting here scratching my head. I'm like, no, 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 no. You misheard that altogether. I told you if you couldn't – and I said, I'm not going to name the kid's name, but if you can't score on that kid, that's not good because he's the worst defender in the league. And he goes, I don't know if I should feel bad because Justice thought I called him the worst defender or if he wasn't listening to me and he thought I called him the worst defender. Like, I, he didn't know how to take that. So, I said, either way – I said, you need whoever at UNCG smarted off to Smith early that got him kind of chomping and talking. He goes, yeah, you know, I didn't really like him talking. I was like, but, Coach, I was like, that's the best he's looked. Like, if he needs to have a little bit of street ball to him, you know, a little bit of New York City uh, come out, then I, I, 
I think you need to do that because he was incredible defensively. Yeah. They were trying to get to one side of the floor. He refused Justice Smith to let him to get there. If he plays like that and plays as hard defensively, and Josh Taylor's going to have the freshest legs in the league. Watch him jump yesterday, just dunking the ball, and it's incredible. Uh, and again, you're thinking, well, these are college guys and they got whatever, but uh, I think there's something too. I mean, my man hadn't played in quite some time. There's a different spring in his jump. I think, than the rest of the squad right now. And I think those fresh legs can get more minutes as what they got last time they get them worked in. Alan Struthers was running up down the court yesterday. Brock Jancic's running up down the court. They should be cleared hopefully Thursday for practice, which means they could play Saturday. That's still up in the air. We'll have to wait and see. I did not see Tipler at practice again yesterday. Um, again, illness, uh, migraines, whatever going on there. So there's a lot uh, – to digest with all of ETSU, but to me, no matter if Jancic's there, no matter if there, I would rather now. If you had to pick your poison. I'd much rather have one more big man, just because you know, yeah. the just the way the league is going to be played, especially if you get further in the tournament um, with the Furmans and the Sanfords and and UNCGs. You, you kind of need more big bodies than I think guards, but uh, I'll take them both. I'll, I'll take I'll take all three. How about, how about big dudes that can shoot it a little bit and guard the perimeter? Yes, I will take that too. Can I interest? Can I interest you in in a um, very fresh, re-energized Josh Taylor? Then you may. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us are. I I think that's a major storyline for ETSU going into the tournament is the ability is what does Taylor contribute to a team that was scrapping and fighting and had a lot of close calls while he was out. Now that he's back, they've won two games since his return. We've made a you know, made. Something about it. He's four and zero in SoCon play. This is a chance to really cement himself as a core player for ETSU going forward. I also like the fact ETSU played two games and played well in the two games uh, up in yeah. Asheville in the Civic Center, the Harris Cherokee Convention Civic Center, whatever it's called. It's the uh, I can't ever get it right. It's the Harris Cherokee Civic Center. I believe that's right. Harris, yes, it's HC. It is Cubed. actually. It's. I think it might just be the Harris Cherokee Center. So yeah, it's, it's the Harris. It's the Harris Cherokee Center, Asheville, previously known as the U.S. Cellular Center, nah, I hated the US and originally Cellular as Center. the Asheville Civic Center. Yeah, the old Complex. Civic Center. Yeah, and that's why people in the broadcast every once in a while say Civic Center, and I, uh, you know, unless you unless you went in the '80s and early '90s, it was it turned into U.S. probably like '93 or '4 because I was in high school when it. So got, next to all of the placards on press row, they should just tape down the name of the arena. Uh, I I think I highlight it on the, one of the game notes. That's a good call. I think I, I do that. I still mess it up at least three times, but uh, I'm better at it than what I was. Yeah, Harris Cherokee Center Asheville, which I think you can get away with just saying the Harris Cherokee Center. Yes, I don't say Asheville. I 1,000% do not Wait, 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 wait. Stop it. Stop, stop, stop the outro. Stop we the outro. Else? You think else? I was going to get a, get a let you get out of here without grilling you on the English language, Jay? Uh, do you really think that I was going to let you out of here? Hang on real quick. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Hang on. I, I, I got I to gotta remember which. Um, he's ducking me. No, he's I got to remember which bumper it is. Hang on. This is, this is uh, I don't know. You, I don't you know. You forgot where, where the button is. Well, I didn't write it on our new, uh, our new, our new, our new jobby here. Our new jobby. Well, why don't you just go through them and see what it is? That's true. That's true. Let's, let's just have fun. Yeah. Yo, can I get a? Ah! No, that's uh, that's not it. That's nope. not it. Do you understand?
this day. That's not it. Actually, is it? That is it. He texted me at two in the morning. Please, the number four. Ivory? And he never brought it up again. So middle of the day on a Wednesday, he sent me munch, no, no, from, from, no, ain't no punctuation ever. He's got to have letters missing from his keyboard. I'm still trying to figure that one out, bro. The back end of two basketball games and a football game in the same weekend. It was a 6 a.m. email that said, shoe runs my world, curls, <laughs> which either meant who runs the world, girls, that Beyonce song, or was just a terrible shoe joke. Like she <laughs> runs the world. Okay. Now remember, remember this place for 12 minutes if you need it. Uh, I don't know that we need it all for okay. all 12 minutes. Okay. But welcome to Jay Knows the English Language. On Monday, Okay. Uh, this was after the show. After the show. It was after the show. So we, this didn't happen. We were discussing. I, I forget what exactly it was we were discussing. It doesn't matter. It didn't happen. But you turned to me and said... Because I am the Do you more even have a context, production oriented. Right? It's like, are you going to create a mirage of all of those moments? When you obviously meant montage. And so I wrote down, all I wrote down, in the in in the spirit of Jay knows the English language, all I wrote down in big letters on my old play-by-play folder that I probably need to throw out. Uh, Wednesday Mirage. So you're not creating a mirage? I'm not creating a mirage. I am not creating a montage. I could create some interesting montages. We have a lot of material for montages. So so you're saying these highlights happen. You're not just creating them out of thin air. I I think it was a... Yeah, I want to say it was a... It was something related to highlights. I forget if it was a specific player or a specific type of play. But it was... Are you going to create a mirage... I mean, I guess I could. <laughs> I could create an illusion. Isn't that all we do here on the podcast? The illusion, illusion that we uh, like each other? Or oh, that yeah, I that's, absolutely that's just, like, viciously, deeply hate Wofford for anything other than theatrics? <laughs> I w- yeah, and if people really want to know, I do hate Chattanooga. I mean, in case you're wondering, that is. Uh, I, I really, I really, I'm really not that. Not the town. People attack me all the time. Oh, the time. Chattanooga's great. The town's have, great. I don't. Listen, I go to the aquarium. I do all that. The aquarium is amazing. Love, love the aquarium. The I mean, but yeah, I just, yeah, I, I really don't hate Wofford quite that much. I will say one time, because uh, you know, baseball, radio, and the stream. Like, there's a lot of times. Me and Hellman would, uh, you know, or me and Stevens or whoever. But really, Hellman one time, one weekend, we were really going at each other. Not really, but go- and then it was like a Sunday morning. I went to go to the grocery store or something before the Sunday game. And a fan was in there. He was like, hey, listen to the broadcast. Last couple, you're doing a great job, blah, blah. He goes, hey, I got a question. I'm like, yeah, how come you and Hellman always work together? Because it seems like you guys just hate each other. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, that's just Don. That's just, like, that's just Don's that's radio just, style. And it works. Yeah. It's compelling radio when you two get together and, you know, butt heads. I was like, listen, when we sit there and, you know, you talk to each other for, well, those days, four hours at a time because those were the old bats and there were 16, 15 games at Cardinal Park. and Oh, yeah, the good the, stuff. The, the brutal um, you know, you, that when Kerry Doan was a two-way player. It wasn't even a pitcher. He was a shortstop. Man, they converted into a pitcher later. I'll never forget this story. Robert Harper, Southern Porters, was at Campbell, and they were leading going into the bottom of the sixth by uh, ten runs. And he said, hey, I'm – because it was a doubleheader on getaway day. 
and he said, hey, at least they've implemented the run rules, first year of the run rule. If you were in a doubleheader, that if you 10 runs or more, 10 to 7, you can call it and move on to the next. ETSU promptly scored 21 runs in the bottom of the sixth and run ruled Campbell. <laughs> and I said, yep, you got that right. There was a run rule. <laughs> I can't repeat everything you said to me on air, but uh, I was like, you did get your wish. You got a run rule. You just didn't realize you're going to give up 21 runs, and instead of being up 10, you lost by 11. I don't remember anything about ETSU playing at Campbell because the only time we went there for a baseball series, we couldn't get on the air. Mm, that is right. I sat in a dugout the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, J J Lo, uh, Justin Lopez left. He threw seventy four, yep, and pitched a shutout against ETSU. Oh. It was it was the most it was laughable. But that's back when ETSU. I am laughing at it. Yes, yeah, uh, they they faced that year like five or six soft throwing lefties, just yep. junk baller lefties. Lost all six of those, and they played two guys in the majors that threw 98 and hammered both of them. It was like if you threw hard and it was yeah, they they roughed up balls, they were fine. They roughed up the Grom at Cardinal Park, and then they got uh, shelled later that year by um, Chris Sale. They faced Chris Sale and Jacob Degrom in the same season in the same conference. And Corey uh, Corey Kluber and Corey Kluber and Rex Brothers were all in the league at the same. That's time. right. So. Four, wow. Four of those games. Can we, can we talk about brief tip of the cap to Joe Panucci and company? 5 nothing win over App yesterday? Yes. Okay. Tip Wait. of the cap to Joe Panucci. 5 nothing win over App We'll take App out the yesterday. music while we give some tips. God, it's, uh, I mean, you look at Panucci and App say what they're able to do. I know we talked a little bit about softball, but they got a couple of – Couple of wins, so they got three wins over the weekend. Lost a five-four game to App yesterday at um, in the home opener, and from what I saw, and from my conversation with interim head coach Cheryl Milligan, who by the way we talk about Mock having a tight timeline. Oh yeah, Cheryl Milligan was hired uh, fifty-eight days before the first game. The team was already on winter break, so none of them were here, and she did not actually meet the team until January sixteenth. Uh, in person, and that was supposed to be their first day of workouts, and it was raining. So they held a team meeting inside. Got to know each other a little bit, icebreaker stuff. Uh, I think that... So about less than 30 days before the first game then? Yes. Less than 30 days before the first game when their first workout happened, it was raining. That's when she met the team. And um, she said, we really need... We need clutch hitting, and we need to avoid big innings because those have plagued us all year. And uh, we feel like we can hang with a lot of teams, like App State. It's felt like they could hang with App State and, and possibly beat App State, which has now won six in a row. And all the things she said bore out. ETSU gave up a crooked number in the fifth. You have three runs in the fifth after tying the game at two. Uh, they needed a clutch hit to, ha- to win the game. Had the tying run at third, winning run at second in the bottom of the seventh, and got a tapper to second. And uh, App State was very much a beatable team for them. That's now nine and three. And I, I think this team's going to be okay. I know they're not how we thought of in like the Massey ratings and all that stuff. They're not super highly thought of in the preseason poll. But I, I think this team is going to compete. And maybe get a couple of wins that you're like, eh, wow, that's a nice result. UNCG, in my mind, is the preseason 
team to beat, or is the team to beat right now. I don't know if they were the preseason favorite. I didn't even look at the preseason poll, but UNCG, I think, is the team to beat in uh, in softball. But Bucks are going to be, they're going to be better than I think a lot of people are willing to give them credit for. Yeah, you got the, the crossover season. We talk baseball, softball, women's tennis is back in the ITA rankings. Uh, men's tennis Ricky, rattle we, off a couple. Can, can we get Ricky Rojas in here? Yeah, dude. Love R- Ricky is a dude. Like, he's, he's just been around this place forever, and uh, he's a, a really fun storyteller, and I just I, I enjoy talking to Ricky. I see him in the hallway. Ever since I saw him the first time come through the sports information, office, I've seen him like three times a day in the halls ever since. And uh, he stops by my office. I got the big candy thing now. So he's, oh, yeah. He's stopping there a lot right now. But Yep. Uh, so they're back in the rankings. Men's tennis won a couple. Obviously, uh, we didn't talk about men's golf second in the, the Puerto Rico Classic. That was a big one. Women's golf tied for fourth uh, uh, two weekends ago. So, like, it's that time of year. And spring football started yesterday. So I did talk to yes. a couple of coaches. We're going to get them on the pod a little later. And so we will have um, – uh, uh, we're going to talk to, what, Kurt? Uh, Jay and Dallas. So we'll get all those guys. Uh, am I missing another coach? I know I just use first names there. I, can go. I mean, Garner's the running back coach. Uh, Dallas Dickey, the wide Dallas receiver. Dickey's wide receiver. Galermo Jay is the line coach. I think. And then we already talked to. I think everybody else is, was already here. On then staff. we talked to Austin Gatewood. We talked yeah. to Gatewood, who was new. Okay. All right. Well, if there's another coach we forgot, we'll talk to them. Uh, I'm drawing a blank if there was any more new coaches. But we'll – I mean, there was some shifting of jobs, but they were already here. So, I think uh, we'll get those three guys Yeah, on. Logan Marchie is now the uh, tight ends coach. Tight end and recruiting and coordinator. And recruiting coordinator. Yep, yep. Uh, and we talked about Price being the quarterback's coach and passing yes. game coordinator. Yep. Trying to remember that. Dylan Llewellyn moved uh, to the inside linebackers. Gatewood is outside. And Billy, T- I, have you talked to Billy about floating? No, and I'm going to. Uh, I think I think we should get Billy on here. Uh, Billy's got too. a lot. Of, uh, Billy's got a lot of good stories. I mean, I'm still waiting to see. I'm going to go out. Billy also has a lot of sentimental reasons to love Wofford, so he cancels out all of my haterade. <laughs> he loves Mike Ayers and Wofford. I don't know that he loves just Wofford. Well, he met his wife at Wofford. Uh, Didn't he? No. I thought he said he did. Oh, maybe he did. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Maybe met her Wofford. I don't know if they were dating before. I know they got married there and they named their first daughter after Mike Ayers. Yes. Michaela. Yes. So, uh, we got that going. All right, let's uh, let's wrap her up. Let's do it. All right, we talked women's basketball, men's basketball. Apparently, uh, a made-up story about Jano's English language. Some spring. It was sports. a mirage. We'll, we'll the whole story was a mirage. It was. It was. Just like this we'll show. montage it. Are you got? You gonna animate it too? You just gonna get them all in there? No, we're not. No, I'm not gonna do that. All right, we will have all the action. We I doubt we'll have time for that. I mean, if we need an emergency pod on Friday or Monday, we will. But we got uh, 10 seconds. Pick an F1 team. What which team are you gonna root for this year? So Sunday's the first race. I don't even know who who, who are they. Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, Haas, Williams, Alfa Romeo. Williams. Williams. All right. That sounds about right. Okay. I have no idea. They're really bad. <laughs> of course they are. All right, Mercedes. All right. Another edition, Jane Keith. Back in the door network. It's a mirage. Oh, you got to be kidding me.